Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. John 14 and 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Notice this. I go to prepare a place for you. The sentence begins with I and ends with you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And today I want to preach a message called Better Homes and Gardens. Better Homes and Gardens. God bless you. You may be seated. I want you to know who I'm preaching to today, so I'm going to get my disclaimers out of the way. I, I am happy for every mother that is here today. Happy Mother's Day. That's been said several times, but you're worthy. But I am not only speaking to mothers, ladies that have had children. I am speaking to ladies today. Would that be all right? Whether you've had children or not, whether you're married or not, I want to speak to the ladies today. I also want to give you this disclaimer. Maybe your relationship with your mother was not a good relationship. Maybe you didn't have a good mother. I'm sorry about that. But here's your chance, if you are a mother, to be the mother you never had to your children. We should improve generation to generation. We should not stay the same. Well, that's the way my mother taught me to do things. If you can improve, you should improve. Can I get an amen? So if you had a bad mother, be a better one. Be a better one. Now my text today, this is one of the most famous things that Jesus ever said. A promise that he was going to be building mansions. That he was going to prepare a place for us. And that he would come back and receive us to himself. But this is the, the foundation thought for today. What kind of a house have I prepared for Jesus on earth? What kind of a house have I prepared for Jesus on earth? What's the mansion that I'm asking him to live in right now? Now I'm going to speak spiritually and I'm going to speak physically. We all have homes that we go to, whether it's apartments or homes, but we have dwellings. That's one kind of a home versus a house. Let me explain this. A house is just a shelter. A home is a place of love and memories. We have a home. I hope you have a home too. 
We enjoy having people in our home. We enjoy having dinner together and sharing with family and memories. And many of you will go home today and you'll have a Mother's Day meal and it will be another meal in your home, not just a house. But our bodies also are intended to be a home. God wants to live inside of you. This is not an external thing. The plan of God all along was that one day he would be able to live and move and breathe and do through our lives. So I'm talking about both of them. So let's talk about the house first. I woke up this morning, what a beautiful, beautiful day for Mother's Day, right? Awesome, spring has arrived. And I, I had flashbacks to when I was a child living in Oak Creek. And uh, this was the time of year that mom would wake up on a Saturday morning and say, all right, like a drill sergeant, all right, today begins spring cleaning. Or as brother uh, Mitchell said today, we gotta hit a reset button every once in a while. We are gonna clean this house from top to bottom. We are taking off all the cotton and warm sheets of winter. We're taking all the quilts and we're packing them away in mothballs. Anybody ever hear of mothballs? Got packed in mothballs. We are going to scrub the wooden floors. We're gonna wash the curtains. This house is gonna be clean top to bottom. All the stuff that we're not using anymore, it goes out. It either goes in the trash or we're having a rummage sale. It's called spring cleaning. Some things need to go. They go in the trash or they become somebody else's. And when rummage sales were just a place where you exchange things you didn't want. That was before Goodwill, by the way. But spring cleaning, you know, we need to have a spring cleaning in our spiritual life too. We need to take an inventory every once in a while because some things may have snuck into our house that shouldn't be there. They're not useful, they're not beneficial. Matter of fact, they may even be detrimental and they need to be removed in a spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. If Jesus came to your house today, would there be anywhere he couldn't go in your house? Now we're blessed today to have um, my mother-in-law with us. She has her own room when she comes to stay with us and she gets to go anywhere she wants in our house. She is a guest. My wife goes out of her way to make sure that the sheets have all been cleaned and the room is just right and the sinks and the towels and everything are, are hanging up because we have a very special guest with us that will be spending the night. That's what we do when we want to entertain guests. Can I get an amen? Jesus is the holy guest. He's the holy guest, and we don't lock him in a room. Now, Jesus, we just want to tell you the house rules. This is the only room you're allowed in. Do not come out of your room. I will come and visit you every once in a while, 
or you can shout and I can bring something to you if you need it. But don't leave this room. This is the only room you're allowed in. It should never be that way. You should be able to say to your guests, hey, you know what? We're going to do our best to serve you, but if you ever need anything, here's the refrigerator. Help yourself to anything you want in this house. If you see it, you can use it. You're welcome to it. I remember one time, I went to a man, this was a long, long time ago, the person's not here, um, but I went to a man's house and I was thirsty. And I said, do you have anything to drink? And he said, sure. He said, help yourself, it's in the refrigerator. And I went in the refrigerator to get a, a bottle of water and I, I saw that he had a few beers in there. I didn't say a word. I just took my water and I shut the refrigerator door. But he realized after he let me into the refrigerator that he had a few beers in the refrigerator and he wanted to tell me why. I don't drink beer, pastor. But I do entertain guests. So I keep a few beers for my guests. And all I said was, I don't. That's it. I didn't give him a Bible study. I just said, I don't. But you know what? There should be a conviction for things that are in our house that shouldn't be there. And I'm going to talk to you about spring cleaning today. If Jesus is the master of the mansion, if it's really his house and not even our house to begin with, then he should be able to go anywhere and we shouldn't feel bad about anything that he finds because we did our spring cleaning. Now take a look at this with me. This is the way that John the Baptist began his ministry. Matthew chapter three and verse one. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and here's the same part of our text, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. It's time for spring cleaning. Jesus is coming. Prepare your house. Repent of your sins. Get your act together. Get rid of some things that don't belong in God's house. Even Jesus began his ministry in Matthew chapter four and verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and this is what he said. It's time for spring cleaning. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Turn from your sins. And what did even Peter say? Acts 2 and 37 says, when they heard him preaching, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he answered the same way that John and Jesus did. Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
for the promises unto you and your children and those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Spring cleaning. We're gonna get rid of everything that doesn't belong in the house. And then we're gonna wash it. We had wood floors. <clears throat> I don't know if it was good for the wood, but we used good old hot, soapy water and we washed the floors. We washed all the windows and the sills and everything. I mean, we thoroughly washed the house. That's what repentance and water baptism do to a house. And when the house is emptied of the things that don't belong in it, and when the house is washed, it is ready to be inhabited. And there is nothing like taking sheets off of a line on a spring day and going to bed at night and smelling fresh air. Spring cleaning, it is absolutely necessary. And it welcomes the guests that come to our house. First Corinthians 6 and 19 says what? Know ye not that you are the temple or the house of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. It's God's house. See, we need to, we need to look at things differently. We don't own anything. We don't. You don't own a home. Well, it's paid off, so now I do own it. No, no. That house was given to you by God. You don't own a car. You drive a car. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? It comes from above. Does God supply all of our needs? Yes. If he supplies it, he owns it. And he can take it back anytime he wants. Even your life can be taken by God anytime he wants because he's the giver of life. Can I get an amen? So we need to be absolutely sure that our house is ready to receive the holy guest. Now, let me show you how mothers and women take care of homes in preparation for their guests. Let's go over to, to Proverbs, or excuse me, let's go to Titus first. Titus chapter two. Titus chapter two and verse two. This is one verse for the men and then it goes into the women with a bit longer dissertation. Titus two and two says, the aged or mature men should be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. Can I get an amen from the mature men? Thank all five of you for that. The aged women, mature women. Oh, by the way, I've discovered something about age. Do you ever hear of a midlife crisis? Midlife crisis. It happens somewhere around 40 or in the 40s. I've discovered something now that I'm older. I've only been this age one time in my entire life. Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? 
It's called, you can have a late life crisis. You first heard that at Abundant Life, Pastor Kylie first coined that phrase, a late life crisis. When you begin to take a look at your life and say, I really don't know how much longer I'm gonna be here. What have I accomplished? What does my future look like? What have I really done that's impacted this world? That's called a late life crisis. So instead of uh, looking at this as aged, just look at it as I have matured. I have arrived. I have learned some things. So he speaks to these mature women and says that they should be in behavior as becomes, and he lists holiness as number one. Holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers. He doesn't say all those things about men, but he does say it about the women. Teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands that the word of God be not blasphemed. They are the keepers of the home. Women are the keepers of the home. I remember the first time I ever heard about wife and life, it was uh, Keith Lozanski. Keith said, happy wife, happy life. If you keep your wife happy, she'll keep you happy. And if your wife is happy, you have a happy home. But they do a lot in the home where the men do a lot out of the home. I thought about this. I've, you know, I've been thinking about this for weeks, this, this particular message. And there was a dramatic change that took place in this country in World War II. Ronald Reagan called that generation the greatest generation ever. They'd been through a depression. They'd been through a world war. We've read about it. December 7th, 1941, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor and brought the United States of America into World War II. We've been able to stay out of it to this point. But now the Axis powers felt that they were strong enough to even include the United States, and with a crippling blow to their navy, they thought they stood a chance to, be, to rule the world. And so, on that fateful day, they brought the United States into World War II, and the men went to war, and the women went to work. It changed the whole concept of the family unit. Prior to that, the men worked the fields or their jobs and the women took care of their homes and the women did not work outside of the home. They were only exclusively keepers of the home. But now with so many men fighting for our freedom against the terrorism of Nazism, the women had to go to work. And so they did. And they worked in factories. And they were no longer just secretaries and, and bookkeepers and, and things like that. No, they had to do physical 
hard work. That was their part in helping America achieve victory and keep its freedoms. But it also changed the way that we looked at women in the sense that maybe they could work outside of the home and, and maybe we could have two incomes versus one. And things began to change. And when women and men both were working full-time jobs, then it was difficult for the women to be able to be true keepers of the home. Now it had to fall on everybody in the family. Everybody had to pitch in. It wasn't going to be mom's going to have supper ready every night. Maybe dad got home earlier and, and he had to make supper. Kids had to accept more responsibilities because a lot of the responsibility that was going on during the day while kids were in school and, and men were at work was not getting done anymore. So everybody had to pitch in. Now, I don't disagree with pitching in. I don't think that women ought to feel the sole responsibility for the interior of the home. You might disagree with me on this. Of course, my wife does. My wife disagrees with me on this. I realize that she's a very, very hard worker, and every once in a while, when those dishes get piled up, and I got a little bit of time, I feel guilty enough to do the dishes. I know how to use a vacuum cleaner. Oh, somebody likes that. I know how to use a vacuum cleaner. I know how to dust. I know how to scrub a toilet. I can do all those things. But you know what we disagree, we don't fight. You know what we disagree about? Is when I step into her territory, she doesn't like that. She gets, af she gets after me about that. Leave that alone, that's my job. Don't do my job. I, I think it, we may disagree on this, but I, I don't think it would be wrong for young people or for husbands to help out a little bit. Okay. Thank you, five ladies. They are the keepers of the home. Let me read to you. I... I um, I will tell you this, I'm gonna, my wife told me I was not supposed to, but I'm going to, it's Mother's Day. I married Wonder Woman. I definitely married up. And um, my wife is a keeper of the home. She keeps it clean. It, I, I, I see miracles most every week. I throw my dirty clothes in a white basket and they end up clean and folded in my drawer. My shirts that are not wrinkle-free are ironed. My pants, you don't see a lot of wrinkles in them. My wife takes care of all of that. I eat supper approximately five o'clock most every night because we have activities in the evening and so I like to eat early and it's ready. It's, an, it's incredible. She keeps the home. She entertains guests. I can call her and say, hey, um, I know it's short notice, but I'm bringing somebody home. They need a little attention. Can they have supper with us? And she says, yeah, bring them. Wonder Woman, we have a better home because of my wife, oh, and she made it perfectly clear to me when we got married. 
I know some of you <clears throat> call, as husband and wife, call each other mother and father. That don't fly at our house. You don't ever call me mother, she said. I am not your mother, I am your wife. So she's made that clear. Germans have a way of being assertive sometimes. We just call it assertive. But we have a better home because of the way that she takes care of it. Let me read to you from Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31 and 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. And the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that, she shall, that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of, her li- of their life. I hope you're thinking about your wife today when I read this to you. I've got a great wife. Proverbs 31 and 13 says, Your wife will seek wool and flax and work willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She, that means pick and save, by the way. Piggly Wiggly. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maiden. She can cook. She prepares meals. And if you were not taught by your mother how to cook, you're going to have to learn on your own. Just a little side note. My brother will back me up on this. My mother, lousy cook. Do you remember, how many of you remember Mrs. Carl's bread? That doughy stuff? I mean, real doughy. And it had like four corners, square on the bottom and kind of a little thing on top. When she got done cooking burgers, they were like hockey pucks. And you could put four of them on one piece. (laughs) Now you know why I eat so much ketchup. (laughs) You try eating a hockey puck and call it a hamburger. Praise God, I got a good cook. Proverbs 31 and uh, 16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She's not afraid to grow a garden of some kind. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her candle goes not out by night. Grows flowers, grows food. Proverbs 31 and 19. She lays her hands to the spindle and holds the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She is a hospitable person. She's willing to help other people. Proverbs 31 and 22. She is not afraid of the snow. She's from Wisconsin. 
For all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes her, her coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She knows how to dress us for the occasion. Have you ever had your wife or a mother, if you're a child, tell you you're not leaving this house until you are dressed properly? Because that's what mothers do. Put your coat on. Dress right. That's not the appropriate attire. She clothes us. She shops at Goodwill. Oh, this coat would fit him or her. and It's a lot cheaper than this other. And she makes sure that we're that we're clothed properly. And then verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen, she sells it. She delivers girdles unto the merchant. She can even make things at home that she will sell to others to increase the amount of money to run the house budget. Isn't that amazing? Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She does whatever it takes, even if it means staying up late at night while the rest of us are in bed. And then Proverbs 31 and 26, notice this, she opens her mouth with wisdom and her tongue is the law of kindness wow this is a great mother this is a great wife opens her mouth with kindness 27 she looks well to the ways of her household she doesn't eat the bread of idleness She's not lazy. Her children rise up in verse 28 and they call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. You see, she's the one that gives us better homes and gardens. She grows things. But the thing that she grows the best is not a flower or a tomato. She grows children. And children are a treasure and a heritage of the Lord. She is the primary teacher, always teaching, always listening. You know, I, I told you that my, my mother was not a good cook, but she was a good listener. If you had a problem, she would say, let's sit down and talk about it. She would be listening and she would give you good advice. That's what teaching is. Being a good listener and being a good advisor. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. Let's stand together. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain, 
But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. I'm gonna read that again. That's so important that you get this. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, if you've got that kind of a wife, or you've got that kind of a mother, she should be praised. She should be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. She is a godly woman. And I would say this, a praying woman is the most powerful thing that I know. Her consecration in her appearance and in her conduct allows God to hear prayers that protect an entire family. Godly woman. That's what it says. And God hears and answers their prayers. They are the reason that we have better homes and gardens. Let's be thankful today. Let's be thankful today for the mothers and the wives that spend so much of their lives doing for others and making our home a place where God is comfortable to reside. Jesus, I pray today that when we come to this altar with our mothers and with our wives, that you will see us as family units. And if our mothers and our wives are not with us today, then help us to remember to give them a call and tell them how much we appreciate the care, the work that they've done to help our home to be a home and not just a house. And help us, Lord, to appreciate the fact that they raised us and grew us as children into what we are today. And here we are in the house. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 265-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org